On this week's episode of Life and Lessons, I give you a bit of a life update because I haven't done one of these episodes in what feels like forever. I talk about running and the injury that I've picked up and I answer a question about what I anticipate the biggest challenge I'm going to face this year is and how I plan to overcome it. Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 159 of Life and Lessons. I'm Sean Spooner, and if you're new here, here's what you need to know. This podcast is a place where I share the lessons I wish I knew sooner. Think of this as me learning out loud, sometimes on my own and sometimes joined by the most interesting people I know. The only thing that's guaranteed with this podcast is that every time you press play, you're going to learn something new. And I'll be honest, it feels like it's been an absolute lifetime since I sat down and did an episode like this. I was trying to work it out last night, actually. I think it's maybe three weeks since I last did a solo episode, but that was audio only. And maybe five weeks since I last did one, which went onto YouTube. So I'm like sat in the normal place if you're not watching with like the the camera and the plant and everything. It's been a while and I can't really work out why it's been a while. Uh, Things have been busy. I've been trying to get my head around what content goes where. I'm going to be speaking about this in a minute. Um, But it just kind of got to a point yesterday where I was like, whoa, it has been forever since I've done a normal podcast episode. And I plan to get things back on track. Like the last few weeks have been a bit of an exception for a bunch of reasons I'll speak about. But it feels a little bit rusty right now. It feels a little bit like I don't know how to do this this speaking into a camera thing because it's been so long. But we will try our best. I think the first thing to speak about just very briefly is all of the content, because one of the reasons why I have dialed everything back ever so slightly over the past few weeks is because I'm trying to then build it back up more intentionally so that I understand what content belongs where, what gets published where and when, and how it all kind of plays together. Because if we break down the kind of content that I produce now, it's this podcast, it is guest episodes of the podcast, which are a completely different production in some senses. It's the standalone YouTube videos that have been going out for maybe five or six weeks now, every Monday. And it is the shorts, the reels, the TikToks, that kind of content. And that's a lot more content than what I was doing three years ago when I first started this podcast, where it was just me and a microphone. And I would sit for 20 minutes, record some audio and publish it. And each time that I've introduced a new piece of content. It's for a reason, right? The new medium of shorts, for example, played and will play a purpose. The standalone YouTube videos, which are the newest piece of the puzzle, will play a purpose. But because I've kind of added them in one by one, I've never really paused to build a workflow around all of them, decide what goes where and when, and just make it all work together. Um, because there are there are big questions, right? Like for example, If I am doing standalone videos on YouTube, which is the tool which I'm going to use to grow the YouTube channel, right? 10 minute long, somewhat scripted, optimized with a nice thumbnail, videos that belong on YouTube that are made for YouTube. They are the videos that are going to grow the YouTube channel. Questions such as, does it confuse the algorithm to then upload 45 minute podcast episodes on the same channel arise, right? YouTube has very recently introduced a podcast playlist tool, which means that it can identify the difference between a video and a video of a podcast 
And then it will allow you, I believe, to play the podcast episodes in the background with your phone locked audio only, a bit like Spotify does. There, there are lots of questions. And I'm going to be using this long weekend to try and answer those questions, to try and work out the optimal way to move all of the content forward this year in a bit more of an intentional way and in a way where it all works together. I think I know the answers to most of these questions now. I've had a an accidental week off last week because we had an issue with the camera where I just decided not to do an episode because it was either going to be audio only or recorded on a phone or something. So I kind of spent that period last week thinking about that. Um, the shorts and the TikToks and all of that stuff, I've backed off slightly for a few weeks again whilst in this period of trying to work out what's what. I'm not sure if anybody cares about this, by the way. This is all very meta, but I, th- this episode is just a bit of a life update. So there we go. Um, there will be answers. There will be uh, a pattern of content. It will probably be YouTube video on a Monday, podcast on a Thursday. For now, still uploaded to YouTube and tagged as a podcast to see if that helps the channel overall. Um, podcast on a Thursday on all of the audio platforms as usual. And then probably like five short videos a week. But they they are what they are right there there to gain new followers on these platforms i'm sure that if you listen to the longer episodes of this podcast you're not all that interested in a 42 second clip of me talking about hedonic adaptation on tiktok right but either way that is probably the plan this is all to say that the kind of lack of cadence in the podcast recently has been because i just want it all to work better right and i don't want to be so busy doing all of this stuff that I never take the time to pause and reflect and ask the bigger questions of how do we make it better? How do we move it forward into this? You know, it's three and a half years into the podcast now, into this new era where hopefully we can go on to do better things. So I apologize for the gaps and the delays and the random Friday afternoon episode as this will be now. Um, but thank you for bearing with me. If you're here, if you're watching this or listening to this, hopefully everything will be back to normal from next week. Um, and then more generally this week, I just want to kind of scroll from my camera roll and give you some updates on what I've been up to because it has been so long since we've done a little life update episode. I think the last episode that was published was the Thomas Frank episode. Um, if you haven't already listened to that one, do go back and listen to it. It was great to sit down with Thomas. I won't tell you too much about it now because I spoke about it so much on the lead up to it, but basically 45 minute conversation with Thomas Frank. It's on YouTube, it's on Spotify iTunes, all of those places, go and listen to it. So I think that's the last episode you heard from me. So I'm just going to scroll from my camera roll and see what I've been up to since then, because I can't really remember. Uh, Lots of it is running, lots and lots of running. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit more in a minute, because I currently have an ankle injury, which means that not only can I not run, but right now I can't walk very effectively, which is sore and a little bit frustrating, given that I was making progress with the running. Going to get onto that in a minute. What else have I been up to? Um, there's really not a lot here. Oh, I went to Birmingham to see Kian DeCrow a few weeks ago, whose name I was getting wrong for my whole life. I thought it was like Cayenne Decrot. It's not, it is Kian DeCrow, the guy who has the TikTok songs. I'm not going to sing, but you definitely know them. Um, that was cool. I knew two of his songs. And so I was expecting it to be a fairly underwhelming gig, but actually that gig was incredible. He is very good on stage. He's very funny. It was a really good night out. Um, And also it's my new favorite thing to go to gigs in Birmingham rather than London, because I can go from my house to Birmingham International, which is like a 40 minute drive on the M6, like the easiest drive ever, turn off the M6, park at Birmingham International, 
train station and then jump on the train for like an eight minute train into the middle of Birmingham. Birmingham feels very close when you do it like that. And so going to gigs in Birmingham rather than London or Nottingham or wherever else is my new favorite thing. So I went there and did that. Uh, what else have I been up to? Oh, I went to Bury St. Edmunds and Newmarket for a night out with my friend Lewis. So Lewis Mockler, the singer, Hunter, uh, he did a little gig back at home in Bury St. Edmunds. Um, so I went along to that and it was cool to see Lewis perform again because it's been so long since I've seen him live. And yet the the kind of first half of my 20s, so many of the fun memories around nights out and uh, these kind of just memories i guess revolve around his gig so it was cool to see him live again and then we went from Bury St Edmunds to Newmarket tiny little town somewhere in Suffolk maybe and we went to the only nightclub there on a friday night and it was dead and it was awful but because it was dead and it was awful it was fun and great if that makes any sense some of the worst nights out of the best ones it was good fun and then also that's probably the first time i've been in a nightclub since I passed my driving test. And of course, being able to drive and do nights out whilst not drinking is a great combination because it got to like 2am and I dropped those guys home and then I just drove back to Corby. And don't get me wrong, I was up till like half three in the morning, but it's so convenient to not have to get a taxi for an hour as it would have been there or find a hotel or sleep on someone's sofa. Like it was nice to just finish the night when I wanted, drive home and be done with it. So if there's one big reason to not drink. Forget forget all of the other benefits I've said in the past. Being able to drive home from nights out is a big one. Um, more running, more running. My camera is just full of me running right now because I take that little like selfie from above every time. I don't know why. More running. God, there's really not much that I've been up to. Oh, and then I went to London. I had a few days in London a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I was there for some meetings and to see Ed Sheeran twice because, of course, I haven't seen Ed Sheeran enough times already. Um, on the Saturday night, I went to see Ed at the O2 as part of the little subtract new album launch tour thing. Um, it was good. It was all right. I mean, once you've been to like 13 Ed Sheeran gigs, not all of them are going to stand out massively. Um, but it was a cool little night out. Got an Ed's Oreo milkshake in the queue. And then Kean De Crow was the warm-up act, so I got to see him again. Uh, and then saw Ed, and then went back to the hotel. The next morning, I went for a run in Hyde Park, which was nice, because up to this point, I had been doing runs either on the river path here near the office or near my house. And they're nice enough areas, but they're not very scenic or exciting, and you don't really see other runners. Whereas running around the perimeter of Hyde Park, and I think is it Richmond Park on the other side of the road, like that big block of grass in the middle of London, was nice because every 10 seconds you're passing another runner. And there's this weird, particularly when you're so few weeks into your running journey and you're trying to keep going during the more difficult durations, there's something nice about running past another runner and realizing that they're a runner and you're running. And so you have to carry on running past this runner or else you'll look silly if that makes any sense. So it was just cool running around Hyde Park. I got a little video of a squirrel running up my leg. I've seen the squirrels in Hyde Park are absolutely fearless and will just run up to people like pigeons. And so I tested it and it ran up my leg and it was great. So I did that. What else did I get up to? Um, oh yeah, Monday night. So that following Monday, I went to a gig with Chloe and Sam and Beth in Hammersmith. Now this one was really special. This was an Ed Sheeran gig that wasn't 
forgettable, like the O2 one, which was kind of forgettable. Um, so Ed's new album is out in May, about a month from now. Uh, but he did a intimate filmed for Apple Music. You're not allowed your phone. You're not allowed your Apple Watch. Everything needs to be put away in this like pouch that you can't open gig, right? And A, I've never ever in my life been to a gig where I don't touch my phone. Like my phone was locked away. I couldn't touch it. And so I was forced to be completely present in the moment. So was the other 2,000 people in the room or however big the Apollo is. Um, and so Ed came out and he was his own warm-up act. So he did like seven or eight songs that everyone knew and it was a bit of a party and it was fun as, as an Ed gig normally is. But then after that, he went away and he came back in and he played the full new album beginning to end every single song. And in between that, he told the stories of what each of the songs were about. Now, this isn't a normal Ed Sheeran album. That's the only way I can describe it, right? This isn't like Castle on the Hill and Sing and all of these like boppy songs. This album was written, I believe, in the few weeks between the death of Jamal Edwards and Ed finding out that his wife had some uh, illness that couldn't be dealt with at the time and just all these like adult events, as he calls it, in his life all at once, February last year. And so the album is exactly that, right? It is about adult stuff. It's a very personal album to Ed. It's very emotional. Um, for example, he, when singing Eyes Closed, the song that you've probably heard because it's number one in the UK right now, the first single from that album, a song about Jamal, just broke down like singing this song on stage broke down. It was the weirdest thing ever um, to see somebody that you're so used to seeing composed and professional and kind of putting on this facade, allow that facade to fall away and just show the emotion of the song. And so that was special. Um, it was also a nice full circle because me and Beth were in Hammersmith about 11 years ago to hear Ed Sheeran's first album be played with him in the room before that came out. So plus like 2011, when that came out, we were in Hammersmith then to hear that in full before it came out. And then being able to hear subtract the final of those five albums be played in full before it came out in Hammersmith. Nice little full circle moment. It was also mad because like Lewis Capaldi was a few rows back from me. Frank Lampard was sat just behind him. And of course you don't have your phones or anything, right? So it's just weird. You're just, you, you see these people but they're just there. It's hard to describe. It was cool though. Lewis Capaldi was there. Frank Lampard was there. Kean DeCrow was there. Of course, it seems that all I've done this month is be in rooms with Kean DeCrow. Got a little picture of him because uh, by chance we had our phones out then. What have I done since then? More running. More running. Some healthy eating. Oh, I went on a walk to Cardiff Bay last Saturday and that was really nice. I. I love going to Cardiff Bay in the spring and the summer anyway. Like it's, it's my little thing that I'll do every Friday when I leave the office. I'll go down there and I'll walk around for a while. But I didn't realize how big Cardiff Bay was. And so I basically strayed off of the route that I normally walk and went all the way to the kind of, I think it's a barrage is what they call it. And then back. And it was this like two hour walk in this area that I thought I knew where I got lost in a place that was familiar. And it was really nice. And I had... I think Dermot Kennedy's first album on and Fred again's first album. And I just listened to those two albums in their entirety whilst walking around on this like spring evening with the sun setting in a completely empty Cardiff Bay for hours whilst lost. It was just lovely. It was really scenic and nice. I enjoyed that. And then more running, of course. Um, and that's it. We're at the end of my camera roll. So I guess that's all I've been doing. I feel like you're up to date in that sense, but let's talk 
about the running and let's talk about the injury because if you don't know, I am running the Cardiff Half Marathon in October and I have a very, very silly idea of something that I want to do next year in regards to running. It's very ambitious and it's very, very silly, but I won't be talking about that until probably after the Cardiff Half Marathon, if not early next year. However, the, the point I'm making here is running is a thing that I'm now trying to do. And for the most part, for the past six weeks following the Couch to 5K program, it has been good. It's been fun. It's been really productive, if that's the word, in as much as the progress that you can make from week one to week six, going from running for 60 seconds and that being a struggle to being able to run for 20 minutes and at the end of that continuous 20 minute run feeling as though you could go for longer has been nice. Um, and also, I think the the selective suffering of running is what I find so addictive about it. I spoke about this a few weeks ago, how lots of the variables in my life are quite comfortable, right? They're designed by me in such a way where although I design my life to push forward, to make strides, they're still controlled by me. Whereas when you're seven minutes into a 20 minute run and you know that you need to keep running and there's no way that you can bullshit yourself about it, right? The time will pass at the pace the time passes, your feet still have to keep moving, right? That's nice. That's addictive for me because it's something where you can't hide from it. And the feeling at the end, once you know that you have won the mental battle, because that's what this is, I've learned six weeks into running, I've realized that it's nothing to do with physicality other than maybe learning how to breathe correctly so that you're not kind of dying two minutes into it. But more than that, it's just a mental battle. And so once you have that unlock, and you're in the middle of a stint of running and you want to stop and it's horrible and you're telling yourself all of these perfectly rational, sorry, rational and believable reasons as to why you should stop. Oh, if I stop now, I'll be able to go further next week. Oh, I, should, I may as well stop now because I feel a bit it's really weird. I just looked out the window and someone's running past, clearly on the same battle that I'm on right now. Um, you tell yourself these excuses, but you know that they are exactly that. And so when you get to the end and you realize that you have grappled for say 20 minutes with every single one of those excuses that your brain has thrown at you in order to have you stop running. Because I guess from a evolutionary perspective, as we've spoken about before, energy preservation machines, it is probably not in our nature to run needlessly for extended periods of time. And so you begin to play tricks on yourself and find reasons why you should stop. When you get through that, when you finish the duration or the length of run that you set out to do, and you overcame all of those small mental battles. It's just a nice feeling. So running is going well more broadly. But then if you're a real OG listener of this podcast, you will probably remember, I guess it was around episode 20, I think, maybe 30, that kind of arena, right? Pre-second lockdown. So like between lockdown one and two, I began couch to 5k the first time. And I ruined absolutely ruined both of my ankles by running too fast, too far, too hard in incorrect trainers on hard pavements and just smashing my feet off the floor over and over again, tens of thousands of times, caused me to have Achilles tendonitis in both of my legs, which I believe is just a, a massive inflammation of the Achilles tendon, the largest tendon in your body and the tendon that you need to move your feet in any direction. So it's activated essentially at all times and you need it to move. Ruined both was horrible for about a month like three weeks into that injury, I went for a walk and I was almost crying. That's how painful it was then. And I could kind of feel my right ankle 
being a bit funny for the past week or so. And I think I know exactly when I did it. I went for a very long run, longer than I should have done in terrible weather conditions. And on the return leg of that 8k run, just trying to keep my head up and not be covered in water to the point where I like couldn't really focus on where I was going. I don't think I was paying a huge amount of attention to how my feet were landing and the kind of rhythm and where my feet were going and the, the force at which they were hitting the floor, if that makes any sense. And so I, from that run onwards, I could feel that my right ankle was a bit sore. But I carried on for maybe two or three runs more. And then on Tuesday, just gone, I went for a run following the Couch to 5K program. And ironically, it was one of the easiest runs I've done in weeks because it kind of progresses you and then scales you back slightly a few times to make sure that you're really building the stamina you need. And I did that run and throughout the run, I could feel just, my leg just felt a bit tight. It felt like something was happening, got to the end of the run and I could feel that my ankle was quite sore, but then I had a train to catch to get back to the office. So I run from here at the office to the next town along. And then if I'm not running back, I'll catch a train back to the office. And I had, I think, 14 minutes to get the train and Google Maps was saying that it was like a 21 minute walk. So I couldn't walk. So I had to run. <laughs> and so I ran on a sore ankle. And immediately when I got back to the office, I realized I had fucked it. I realized I had caused this Achilles tendonitis again. And we are three days later now, and it's still incredibly sore. I have done basically no movement on it. I'm going to try this weekend to just not move, like not walk, not run, not stretch, not move, just keep it stationary in the hope that some of the inflammation goes down. And in doing so, hopefully it will begin to recover and the pain will go away. This will probably mean not running for a few weeks, but given the the half marathon in October, given how much I enjoy running, so I want to be able to do it longer term, and also given the ridiculous goal that I have the next year that I'm not going to tell you about for a while, it would be sensible for me to listen to my body at this point rather than trying to get going sooner, which I really, really want to do. Like it's really annoying to realize that I am essentially reversing progress at this point because I was only six weeks into it and I could see all the stats on Apple Fitness and my lung capacity and all this stuff going up but then it's inevitably in the weeks where I'm not going to be able to run going to come back down but I need to be okay with that as a process right I need to understand that going from not being able to run for 60 seconds to running a half marathon a marathon whatever ends up being as like the ultimate end goal of this little block of life where I decide to do some running that's not going to be a linear path and as frustrating as it is to not be out there trying to progress, to not be following the program for the nine weeks in the beginning to get to a point where I can run 5k and then build upon that to know that I'm slipping backwards is in some ways analogous with the running, right? As in the physical battle will take care of itself. Same with running, right? This leg will heal. That's going to happen on its own. I can't speed that up. I can slow that down by, you know what I mean? I can't really change the speed of it. Whereas the, the real battle here is the mental battle, the having the patience to not try and go too soon, having the patience to realize that, no pun intended, this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? As in, I need to lose progress now and have to begin again in a few weeks in order to be able to keep going. And it's weird. It's weird because there are very few other areas in my life where I have to stop for weeks on end in order to carry on going. Like I can't draw any comparisons in my mind when I think out loud right now. And so it's going to be a weird few weeks. Um, 
I put a question on Instagram on Tuesday night when I realized that this ankle was going to be causing problems for a while, asking for advice from anybody who had been here before. And I got so many responses. It was unbelievable. Like probably the most responses I've ever had to anything on Instagram ever. Who knew that so many people ran and had problems with ankles? However, lots of the advice in there is useful because lots of people told me ways to keep up stamina and fitness without running in the meantime, how to avoid this issue happening in the future, the kind of trainers to be wearing, um, stretches, collagen was something something somebody suggested, like a whole host of ideas, some of which, by the way, if you're watching and I haven't responded, I haven't even had a chance to respond to because it was like a, a tsunami of advice. Um, but I have read it all. I'm trying to implement lots of it. And hopefully in a few weeks time, I'll be back out there. It's sunny right now, which is making it even worse. I did my first sunny run on Tuesday, the final run I did. I was wearing a t-shirt rather than a big jacket and it was just fun and I enjoyed it. And I can't wait to get going again. However, I need to wait because if not, I won't be able to run. Um, just reading my notes of what I have to tell you about. There's lots of going on at Pata right now. Um, a big mission of mine at the moment is to have us build structure into every little nook and cranny of the business. Um, this is something that I laid out in Dublin in December last year as one of the goals for this year to systemize and add structure to as much as possible, including in the business, but not just in the business. Um, and quarter two for us in some ways, I believe, is the most important quarter of the year. And actually that extends into life as well. So let me try and explain this. Quarter one, everyone's motivated, which means everybody is moving at the same pace, which means that if you're doing well, if you're trying hard, if you're hitting your habits, if you're doing the things you said you were going to do, you're going to move forward. But most people are going to move forward at the same speed as you in quarter one, because everybody's motivated, right? Fast forward a little bit for a second to quarter three. Everyone goes on holiday to festivals, to gigs, days out, whatever it might be, right? So quarter three is always a little bit slower. And quarter four, work is busy, social events um, happen, people stop eating so well, habits slip, all of that stuff that we know that happens around Christmas happens. And so to my mind, the the most opportunity of any quarter lives in quarter two, where not a lot really happens, right? What What happens in May, uh, sorry, April, May and June, not a huge amount. But also it is in this period here before the holidays begin, before the social events begin, before it's dark outside again, before it's Christmas and New Year and everyone's getting drunk or whatever else. Like these three months here are the perfect kind of incubation block where you can really build out this year, really commit to the things that you said you were going to do in January, really build upon the foundations that you set in quarter one. And so that's kind of how I'm approaching this quarter. Um, I made a little note on my uh, phone the other day. And what did I call it? I called it adherence season. I think that these three months that we're in right now are a block of time where you should do your best to adhere to everything that you told yourself you're going to do, the habits, the going to the gym, the food, the hydration, the sleep, the the work, the new projects, the, the everything, right? You will struggle to find a block of time where you have fewer excuses not to adhere to what you want to do than in the next three months. And so that's kind of how I'm approaching this quarter, just trying to do as much as possible, as consistently as possible. Um, and yeah, that's it. I've got a couple of questions. I put up a poll on Instagram yesterday, and I think that I probably already addressed all of the uh, answers in my little life update. But let me read a couple. Let's have a look. Uh, Dan Needham 
asked, how are you finding the running? Do you think it'll become a natural habit and what are the pros and cons? Um, let's answer the second part because I've spoken for ages about the first part of that. Do I think it'll become a habit? Yes, it's addictive and it's good for you and it's free and you can essentially do it anywhere. Um, these are my big unlocks. Uh, what are the pros and cons? The pros are you feel great afterwards. It improves your fitness. It's a nice thing to do. I think it's good for mental clarity and it, it builds a little community around you of other people who enjoy it. They're all good. The cons, I mean, clearly a, the, the cons are injury, right? As in the next four weeks or whatever it ends up being of me not being able to walk very well, let alone run aren't great. And yet I think that they seem to be somewhat of an inevitability speaking to other people who responded to that story. The lack of energy I have immediately after a run definitely is a con in as much as I can't go from doing a big run to then sitting down at my desk. Like whoever does that at lunch, for example, I have no idea how they do it. So I need to time my runs in such a way to make sure that they're happening at the right time and not pulling hours and hours of productivity or focus away from the things I need to be doing. And so I've generally been doing them in the evenings as kind of like a marker of, okay, this is the end of the working day now. Other than that, to be honest, I can't think of any other cons. It has just been good. Let me grab one more question. What have we got? Alex Marsden asked, what is the biggest challenge you're facing this year and how do you plan to overcome it? So ironically, this is also going to be something in a way that I've already spoken about, but I'll extend it out beyond just content. There are lots of things that I want to get done this year. Um, and I'm doing quite well in hitting the targets that I set in December of the things that I want to achieve by the end of this year. Naturally, as years do, lots of things have come into my consciousness since then, like, oh, I want to do this as well, and this and this and this. And it's getting a bit silly, right? In as much as I I genuinely believe that there is a huge amount of potential in this year. And I spoke about this towards the beginning of the year. You, Your year only loses its potential when you decide that that potential has gone. For as long as you can perhaps somewhat naively hold on to the belief that you can get done a huge amount in whatever duration of time sits between now and the end of this year, you will get more done. And so I'm trying to hold on to that belief and I'm trying to get lots done in every area of life, whether it's fitness, whether it's taking up running, the business, the content, the side project, launching other things, a new business idea, all this stuff, right? Trying to get lots done. However, the obvious limitation to all of that, the obvious bottleneck is time and energy, right? However you want to look at it, like the the ability to get done what I need to get done, that kind of intersection between having the time and having the energy when you're spending that time on it. I need to dial in my scheduling even more, I think, which is ironic because I schedule my entire life anyway. And uh, the video I did on YouTube about that got a really good response of how I do time boxing. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, I'll make sure it's linked in the description somewhere. But I think I need to go further. And this is something else that I'm going to be wrestling with this long weekend. How can I not necessarily invent more hours because I can't do that? But how can I better understand my energy levels in different parts of the day to make sure that everything doesn't just fall into the calendar in such a way where, okay, this fits here, so let's put it here. But actually, does this task require the energy I have at 9am? Or can I get this done quite passively at 4pm? Do I need to go to the gym in the morning or the evening? Do I go for a run here? And when does content get done? And what do I bulk produce? And what tasks can I 
do together. Does that make sense? Like trying to find efficiencies and also optimizations regarding not how much I get done, but how I block together the things I get done and where those blocks appear within my calendar to make sure that my energy matches the time that I'm allocating to things. I think that if I can crack that nut, this year will have all of the upsides that I believe that it still can. If I can't crack that nut, then similarly to anybody else who can't appropriately manage their time and energy relative to their ambitions, it won't. So that is, I know that's a bit of an abstract answer, but that's probably the challenge of all challenges this year because every other challenge is secondary to that, right? If you're finding the time to do the things that will move you towards your goals or the inverse of that, overcome your challenges, and if you're finding yourself with enough energy in that time with the right clarity and focus and you know what the next step is of every task and you know what you should be doing in any given moment, the challenges kind of take care of themselves. Because what are challenges? Challenges are essentially things that need to be done, right? Tasks that need to be addressed, something that you need to solve, a conversation you need to have, a problem that you need to get to the bottom of. And if you can schedule all of those problems or indeed make sure that you have the time and the energy to address them when they come out of nowhere because they come out of nowhere then every other challenge kind of in some way notwithstanding very particular things solves itself so i guess that's my biggest challenge this year and i plan to solve it by just being more ruthless with my scheduling and actually understanding my energy level so that i'm better able to follow through more consistently with everything that eventually ends up in that schedule i think that is everything I don't know if this episode has been in any way useful. I say at the beginning, one thing's for sure, you're going to learn something new. I'm not sure if you've learned anything new in this episode, but I thought it would just be nice after so long of actually doing a proper solo episode uh, to just sit down and have a little life update, just tell you what I've been up to, tell you where my mind is at, and hopefully prompt some thoughts in your mind this long weekend as you go about resolving whatever things you want to resolve, resting, relaxing, spending time with family, having fun, whatever you're doing. Um, I hope you have a good weekend. Hope you have a good week coming up. Thank you as always for listening. It'll be another solo episode next week. Playing with some guests right now, but there's nothing scheduled in for next week's slot. So I'll see you then. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you back here this time next week for episode number 160 of Life and Lessons. See you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.